Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory with great warranties, great pre-owned inventory with the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee because they go over every vehicle. Service department second to none with great technicians that take care of the life of the vehicle. So when it comes time to trade in for the next SMC vehicle, you're trading a solid one for another solid one. Terrific for terrific. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. What a night for the Phillies, capped off by Michael Lorenzen, the 14th no-hitter in Phillies history. The Wilson family, and there's a number of them that are here, are uh, sitting and watching as Wes Wilson gets his first major league at bat. Was third in the International League at home runs when he was called up. 25, 69 runs batted in. And a high fly ball to deep left field. How about this story? A solo home run, and it was a monumental one for his first major league hit. Wes Wilson just picked up right where he left off in the minor leagues. He has just lifted his family high in the air. Castellanos the opposite way. Going back is Thomas to the scoreboard. That's two. And it's number 200 for Castellanos in his big league career. It's a celebration for Liam and everybody else. He went to center, and now he goes to right, and he's got 200 career home runs. The 3-2 pitch. Swung on, popped up, shallow center field. Rojas sprinting it, he's under it. He has space, makes the catch, and Michael Lorenzen has thrown the 14th no-hitter in Philadelphia Phillies history. He is being mobbed by his teammates as the Phillies shut out the Nationals 7-0. What happens when you pick up a quality guy like that from Detroit? Well done. Uh, 14th no-hitter in the history of the Phillies. The 13th individual no-hitter. They have one combined no-hitter. And the first no-hitter for the Phillies since Cole Hamels in 2015. What did the Yankees do last night? Do all right? No? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. No. Uh, same crap, different day. <laughs> but just insert another four-letter word. That's how I feel about them right now. Wow. Miss a couple putts and we become bitter. <laughs> I also had a nice chip onto the green on 16 that we used to eventually putt for a uh, birdie, I think, too, or a par, one or the other. So I I, I did, some contri- did some contributions yesterday. If you're chipping onto the green at 16, it was for par. Yeah, that was for par. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you'd be you'd be no closer than a hundred yards out off the drive if you really cranked one there. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one with the pond on the left, right? Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. That's great. That is great. Um, okay, 
What is next on your From the Land of Disgust? Well, this, I guess, is the B point of my rant with this Cal Stanford the, thing. The, the B point. Oh, they, they, I yes. didn't realize. Is there a C point, a D? No, that, that's it. We're done at B, and then I can go to okay. another one. Oh, oh I another one. God, this is going to be a fun hour. <laughs> That'll be, be a full bullet point number two. This is one sure. B of the said rant. Okay. What it, this is just really with Stanford. Is can we please stop with this notion of Stanford being good at all the sports when it's the sports that don't matter to this conversation? It's fa- it's that's not factually inaccurate. It's correct that they're they are good at all the other sports and they win lots of championships in all the other sports. But with football and men's basketball, they've been irrelevant for years now, which makes them irrelevant for this conversation when it comes to grant of rights mm-hmm. deals and media deals like this. So let's stop acting like Stanford is like this big kahuna into solving the problems here for the ACC. It's irrelevant. Stop. I'll I'll say this for Stanford. Obviously, the last few years, they've fallen back, and that's fair. And Tony, of course, was on the show talking about that Washington-Stanford matchup a couple years ago at Palo Alto. And what did he say? There was like ten it, at kickoff. There were ten thousand people in the seats. Was that? I think that's what he said. Yeah, right? I, exactly right. And he was like, "What the heck is this?" You know, you hear about, "Hey, let's go over at the farm." And it's like, and it's like, great. Well, uh, I will say this for Troy Taylor, who's now the new head coach at Stanford. Right now, I think his recruiting class is ranked in the top twenty-five, top twenty. So he's working at it. Doesn't mean he's going to, you know, I don't know how it's going to translate, but he's working at it. Question is, can you get the fans interested in it? I know people talk about it. Hey, look out, you know, because, you know, the Big Ten is, the Big Ten now has New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, right, for markets, um, Detroit. We can go through the other ones, but in terms of top 10 markets, and San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose is a top 10 market. But do they translate to the market? And that, that's the question I would ask. Do they translate to the market? It is a market that's dominated by the Warriors. It's a market that's dominated by the 49ers. And I mean, when I mean dominated, I mean like they smother all of the competition. It is a market that has plenty of room for the Giants. And you know what? It's a market that, I mean, has taken to the San Jose Sharks. But after that, what is there? I mean, I've done a couple of games at Cal. I mean, I've been to the Stanford campus. I mean, I've, I've gone to I've, I've gone over to Palo Alto. I've never done a game there though. Cal, I have. I've done a couple of games there at Cal in my career. And yeah, I don't know. It just you just don't you just get the feeling that the academic reputations are unquestioned the Olympic sport reputation of Stanford is unquestioned and they went through a great run there I mean the football's you know when John Ralston was the coach Bill Walsh was the coach you know Jim Harbaugh is the coach and then David Shaw for the first two-thirds of his tenure there they were you know they were good tough kind of played a Big Ten style of game big offensive line kind of pound you a little bit um but in the last few years, they've really fallen off. I mean, like, really fallen off. 
and interest has gone with it. Uh, they've they downsized the stadium because they you know Stanford Stadium was where Super Bowl nineteen was played between the Niners and the and the Dolphins, the Super Bowl that Dan Marino started. It was played in Stanford Stadium. Huge, like eighty five thousand fans. Now I think their stadium is I think thirty five thousand. So you've had a lot of um You've had a lot of uh, stuff on there for, yeah, as time has gone, where you just feel like there's been that slide. How about that? Now, maybe Taylor can turn it around. All right. Maybe Taylor can turn it around. I don't know. Um, but as of right now, yeah. It, you you also have to do what, like Gene Smith said, and I'm glad Gene answered the question yesterday because I was po- pointing out over and over again about, hey, you've got to come up with the money to cover money to cover. Well, as he answered yesterday, uh, they came up with the money to cover it. It came from Fox. So the money has been covered. Now, can you get another time slot available? We'll see, but the money's covered. Uh, Stanford Stadium now is fifty thousand, so it's not thirty-five thousand. It's fifty thousand, fifty thousand four twenty-four. But Troy Taylor, to his credit, has gone out and he's kind of—he's at least recruited. And let's see what he can do with it. I don't know. So we'll put you down as a no. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> just want. I just wanted to make sure. That's all. <laughs> okay. Good. All right. Um, you said that wasn't the end. Uh, no. So this is rant bullet point number two that I had on the docket for today. I don't know if you saw the um, tone-deaf T-shirts worn by some of the coaches at Northwestern. It said, Cats Against the World. I read the story. I mean, I think the the story kind of explains itself. And I think it's it's not wrong by what Derek Gregg said, the athletic director at Northwestern. Maybe this is hard to do, especially when you're so close to the season. But the fact that still the fact that he still has a job is mind-boggling to me. But more importantly, that these coaches still have a job. I mean, to me, that's a fire on the spot type of offense when you're obviously not reading the room whatsoever and the headlines and everything else, and you pull that off. I. I don't know what to say with that one. I was kind of, I was pretty stunned when I saw that. Yeah, I mean, I these guys it. obviously need to have their head examined. I read it, um, and the one thing I won't do is I'm not going to pronounce guilt. I'm uh, talking about those who've been accused until we get more out there. They could be as guilty as heck in all this, or they could be uh, whatever. 
Okay, so I just want to wait a little bit uh, because you have to let the full story come out. But until the full full story comes out, your job is to go out and what um, lay low and try and win as many games as you can. But you need to lay low, uh, and that's the smart way to go about it. So I could see why you would be upset. So you're not going to get one of those shirts? No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! I just want to make sure. I, you know. Your kids usually just wear John Deere shirts, and they think it's a team. <laughs> no, that's now been called Luke's Lawn Care Service. It was fully established yesterday, apparently. By a picture I got from Lisa. Really? Oh yeah, three-year-old already being an entrepreneur. I like it, personally. How much of your personal money do you have to put into it? <laughs> the good, also a good thing, Zipola. <laughs> Perfect. All our all our toys, all are from uh, Nana and Papa. There you go. Everything Very was supplied nice. by Nana and Papa so far. So let me get into the Olympic sports, and I'm going to talk about something that I think is worthy of discussion, but I don't think they're going to discuss it, but it's worthy of discussion when they talk about travel. I'm going to talk about that in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us. The show today brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Something that Olympic sports coaches have resisted for a long time, and you see this across the country, right? Which conferences, okay, play divisions? In Olympic sports, none. The only you know divisions have been in football. SEC did some in basketball for a couple of years and then abandoned the concept. But you don't see divisions in any Olympic sports in any conference. And to me, I know you want to be as national as possible. I got it. You don't want to seem you're lesser in any other way. I got it. But I think there has to be, at some point, a smart approach to doing this. And the Big Ten's in a position that's starting next year. Who's to say that, you know, and some sports are more expansive than others. They're more expansive than others. And you can get a division that's loaded. We've seen the Big Ten East in football and the SEC West in football where they're more loaded than others. It's a tougher grind. So that does come into play here. That part I get. And, for and for example, if you're wondering about the thought process of this proposal, wrestling doesn't need it. They're, they don't have 18. They have 14. Okay. So wrestling doesn't need it. Ice hockey, 
doesn't need it. Lacrosse doesn't need it. But there are some sports that come into play here, like softball, baseball, uh, women's volleyball. I, you know, I don't know how many women's gymnastics programs there are. Right? But I think maybe you need to consider three sixteen divisions, where you're playing everybody in your division, and then have an occasional crossover to the Midwest, an occasional crossover to the West, right? And then, or them coming to your place. As you put your schedule together, that way you regionalize your travel. And we talk about missing classes. It's been discussed about the mental health of athletes, right? having to do all this, the length of travel and so forth. Well, I think if you have 316 divisions, you can reduce some of that travel with, hey, look, okay, now this year we're going to play X and Y in the Midwest, and then we're going to play Z in the West. And then you start rotating around as to who X and Y have to be and who Z happens to be in the other divisions. You can work it out that way. I know the coaches don't want to do that because they don't want to seem like, quote, they're less than football, men's basketball, and so forth. They're a conference. So I understand that part. But I think that there has to be something to the table where divisional play where you're guaranteed regionalization of travel, more realistic travel, while still mixing in crossovers to other divisions, I think it's something they need to consider for some of the sports. That way you're it's it's cost it's not just cost containment, but it's also uh, class containment, and it's also uh, the possibility of mental health containment uh, because you've got people concerned about all these cross-country t- trips. So if you're sitting there and you're playing baseball, softball, hey, look, you get excited about the trip you have to make to USC and UCLA. Okay? You get excited about that. Hey, we've got a trip to L.A. This will be great. Looking forward to it. I mean, you know, great. Conversely, you know, from their point of view, okay, good, good news. We're going to make the trip this year. We're going to go to Ohio State. Then we're going to go to Penn State. Great, but then we're going to go back and play Oregon and Washington and UCLA, right? And I think you, it would be cost containment. It would be travel containment. It would be school-related containment. It would be mental health-related containment. I just think it's something that if I'm in the room, guys, what do you think of this idea? They may tell me to stick it, (laughs) but I'd throw it out there. Because I think it accomplishes all those goals. The one goal it does not accomplish is the big feel of the conference and playing everybody anywhere, anytime which is what they've always wanted. But it's it would be something I'd throw out there to consider, and the reason I say 16 divisions because there's 18 schools. Obviously, this is not a fully baked idea. <laughs> no, but I think it's a good about, one, though. But I was just thinking about it, and it's something to consider. I mean, not every sport needs it. I mean, field hockey doesn't need it. 
men's and women's lacrosse doesn't need it. Uh, who else doesn't need it? Um, trying to think who else doesn't need it. Wrestling doesn't need it. All right. You only have X amount of wrestling dual meets anyway. It's not like there's this long list of wrestling dual meets. There aren't. Um, but wrestling doesn't need it. But for baseball, softball, women's volleyball, maybe. I know they don't want to do that. I got it. And again, you do run into the possibility of like, you know, like women's volleyball, for example. You're doing home and aways with all five teams in your division? Right. Well, there's half your schedule right there. And for all we know, it's the murderer's row of volleyball. See Big Ten East football and SEC West football. For all we know, it ends up that way. I don't know. But I think it's something to consider. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost working online at sunburymotors.com. For Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory with the all important Sunbury Motors guarantee, terrific service department, great technicians. That uh, cover every base. Best. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Holmes Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Is there anything else on your mind today? It's been an active day for you. No, I think I've gotten everything off my chest for today. Anything you want to say about the Yankees starting pitcher last night? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Hey, Stanton drove in a run on a ground out last night, so he's getting more productive. Oh, my almighty! How much money does he make? I'm ready for preseason game number one Saturday against Baltimore, which, of course, will make way for Ross Tucker in a couple minutes. Hmm. Worried about you. <laughs> I think we had to play back some of the shows from spring training where you were all excited. Yeah, times have changed, unfortunately. Month of May where we heard your kid on the air every day. Yeah, I miss that. Yeah, yeah. Now. Even he has taken his Aaron Judge shirt and put it at half mast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's disappointing. We're all ready for Eagles football. What if that leads to more disappointment? <laughs> uh, then I guess we'll move on to uh, the Sixers for how the time you, being. <laughs> how will you react? In all seriousness, how will you react? If the Cowboys swept the Eagles, oh, I'd be angry. I mean, that I, I've seen that happen plenty of times, unfortunately. Yeah, 
Yeah, but not with this kind of expectation. With this kind of expect, yeah, this would be more of the of the more maddening years. But yeah, oh yeah, anytime you anytime you get swept by Dallas, it's never fun. I'm just saying. I'm just asking. I'm not saying it's going to happen. You could sweep them, right? So I'm just saying. You throw your heart and soul into your teams. I give you all the credit in the world. And you do take it personally. <laughs> Fair? Oh, yeah. I'm not afraid to admit it. Yeah. All right. And it's all James Harden's fault. Part of his fault, yeah. Not all of his fault. I'm not thrilled he's back, but it's not all his fault. Well, for now, at least. <laughs> Listen to you now, for now. Yeah. I mean... Well, that's if I, if he's still in a Sixer uniform by the time the season starts, is true. what I meant. That's true. Yeah. That's true. No, we'll, we'll see about that. And Severino, you're not a big fan? <sighs> yeah, we're just going to skip that. What? <laughs> you just I wanted him DFA'd for a while now. At least he's got devoted to the bullpen. But Earth to Aaron Boone, he still stinks. You're not very happy. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! <laughs> All right. Ross Tucker coming up in a few minutes. We'll talk about the since we've already talked about um, the Steelers preseason opener. Matt is all. Will you watch all of that game? Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially since I don't have to worry about getting up the next morning. Oh, just so brutal. Well, I I watch these games kind of like how Bob Pompiani was talking to us about that in the first hour. Like I'm all about seeing the position battles and seeing guys battling for roster spots going at it. I think it's I've grown to have more of an appreciation for the preseason now that I've covered guys that are are necessarily going to be locks to make the roster. So, but that's just me. It's just I've had experience covering guys that aren't a lock and I've kind of grown to appreciate what it, the path that they've taken to get to that point and what it takes to for them sure. to make a roster oh, yeah. spot so it's it's right. made it it's made the preseason more fun for me but I'll admit yes it it does I am ready for the regular season to start by the time the third game comes around used to be fourth no doubt about that mm-hmm. yeah and it can be very painful to watch sometimes yeah. Like, let's just say I am not looking forward to watching Ian Book and uh, the the Eagles rookie pick from Stanford play in a majority of these games coming up. 
So that's one of the reasons why you're anti-Stanford? Oh, no. I mean, he can light it up for all I care. I still will hate Stanford regardless. Well, not hate Stanford. I'll still think they're irrelevant. What school did you go to? Clarion. The Stanford of the uh, West? In football? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm not afraid to admit that. Not afraid to admit that. Especially in the PSAC West, which is the equivalent of the Big Ten East. It was when I was in school, and it still is now. Hmm. Wow. All right. Well, coming up, Ross Tucker here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. shooting percentages in game sevens in his career? I'm sure it's not great. 39%. There it is. You want to know what his plus minus is in game sevens? I'm sure it's minus a lot. It's minus 20. There you go. I would like to point out that uh, if you want, we can look up Bill Russell's. All right, uh, we'll uh, (laughs) turn our attention now to... Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can check out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. And it's great to have him with us. Ross, welcome back. What was it like when you got the call and said, you know what, you're part of the CBS team now? Well, first of all, Steve, thank you for having me. And, of course, great to hear your voice. And uh, that was a pretty cool moment, man. I, I think you know this and can appreciate it, but... Uh, my last year as a player was 2007, and I was injured. So starting in 2008, I, I went back, and uh, I've done on on average at least 20 games a year the last 15 years when you talk about college for NBC Sports Network or CBS Sports Network and then radio for Westwood One and even doing – the Eagles preseason games and the Pennsylvania State Championship. So it's been 300-some games, man, 300-some games to to get this opportunity. Obviously really, really excited about it, and uh, I'm glad that more people are going to get a chance to to hear me and, and hopefully enjoy what they have to hear. I'm not really the, always been a person that's, that's been big on saying, hey, you deserve that. I'm big on saying you earned that. And you earn this. That's why you deserve it. Wow. Thank you, Steve. I, I really appreciate you saying that, of course. And um, I like to think so, man. Uh, as you know, it's really, really hard, you know, because everybody, everybody that knows you, all my friends and family, they're always like, why aren't you doing this game or that game? Right. Or why are you doing yeah. the Penn State game? You're so much better than this guy or that guy. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's a subjective it's a subjective deal, number one. And number two, there's a lot of factors that go into, you know, who gets hired for these jobs. So, um, you know, it's, it's a small package. I'm on the, the number seven crew, but really, really looking forward to making the most of it. 
Well, seven becomes five becomes three. So let's see how things go. Uh, I've got a confidence in you that that's going to happen. So let's get to the Eagles because, you know, it's it's out of the gate with this team. Uh, preseason is a lot different than when you played, Ross, uh, because of who plays and who doesn't in the preseason. So how do you like to evaluate a preseason game? What do you look for based on what they give you to work with? Yeah, so it's funny because I, I had a social media video today. Um, you can check it out on Twitter or whatever it's called, at Ross Tucker NFL. I think, Steve, that people that say preseason games are meaningless, I, they, they're talking about. I mean, if you want to say that the games don't count, oh, yeah, of course, we all know that. And right. if you want to say that they're pointless for the starters, um, some guys would agree with that. Some guys would disagree and say that they actually like getting a little bit of playing time in the preseason. So that kind of goes both ways. Um, what I would tell you, and even just this year, you know, my first game will be Saturday night as the the Eagles play in Baltimore against the Ravens. But – the one thing I would tell people is, like, the Eagles had the best roster in the NFL last year. And two things jump out to me about that. Number one, they have legitimate starting spots open, Steve, at linebacker and safety. And maybe both. I mean, maybe, maybe four spots, definitely two, are up for grabs, arguably three or four. And, you know, those positions in particular – Really hard to, to decide it in practice. Really hard. You got to see those guys out there, full speed, their game instincts, tackling. So number one, you got starting jobs available. Then mm-hmm. you got the last spot at each position, right? The five wide receiver, the number three tight end, the number five running back. And then even last year for the Eagles, they had the best roster in franchise history, and they had four undrafted free agent rookies make the team based on how they did in the second half of those preseason games. So the point I make to people is, you know, maybe you don't care as much about that stuff. All I can tell you is I never played in a preseason game where I didn't know for me it was a really big deal because I was either battling for a starting spot you know, a couple years, 02 Washington, 04 Buffalo, or 05 Buffalo, or a roster spot all the other years. And so it's funny because, you know, they all, every team has guys that play in the SEC championship or Big Ten championship or the college football playoff. For them and, and their lives and their livelihood, these preseason games – are more important than those championship games. I mean, those championship games are a big deal to the fan bases and whatever, and and maybe there's bigger crowds or whatever, but in terms of how the rest of their life turns out and their dream and their career, uh, the preseason games are are way more important. And and that's, you know, and I tell everybody all the time, I said, look, I said, for those guys who are battling for roster spots through 30 through 46, this means everything to them. This is the this is the audition tape. This is Quez Watkins showing everybody I should not only be in the roster, I should be playing. Yeah, and you know the other thing I tell people, um, it's unbelievable, 
Steve, when you actually go through it and you see all the guys that get cut, I would encourage everybody listening this year, when you see the final cuts, just go through the amount of names that you recognize, the amount of names of guys that were just really good players at Penn State, really good. But, you know, Michael Mennon or whoever, you know, whoever it is that's getting cut and isn't making these teams, you're like, wow, I thought for sure, you know, that guy started three years at Penn State. I thought for sure he'd play in the NFL for a while. It, it doesn't work that way. Well, Bill O'Brien told me when I was talking to him about this when he was at Penn State, he said, Steve, the jump from high school to college is huge. He said, the jump from college to the NFL is a chasm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, I I thought high school to college was a little bit more of a jump. And that's interesting to come from me because, you know, I went to Princeton, right? I didn't go to Penn State or a Power 5 school. Uh, But that was a big jump. This might surprise you, Steve, but... At Princeton, you know, I just thought so highly of the Power Five guys and the NFL guys. I, I, I had such high expectations that, believe it or not, when I got to the NFL, I actually thought they'd be better. And don't yeah. get me wrong, they were really, really good, but I didn't know if my first, tra- my first minicamp practice, I didn't know if LeVar Arrington or Big Daddy Wilkinson or Bruce Smith, I didn't know if they would pick me up over their head and throw me. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, you know, to me, I built these guys up so much in my head that they were larger than life that I actually got there. I was like, okay, like, they're definitely bigger and they're way faster, but they actually still are human beings, right? Like, they are mm-hmm. human beings. They're just way better than the guys in the Ivy League, but they weren't quite as... Um, as Superman-ish as, I, as they had been in my head. Well, the story I tell here all the time to people is that 2005 Penn State's three wide receivers were Derek Williams, five-star, Deion Butler, a walk-on, and Jordan Norwood, a gray shirt. They all made the NFL. Everybody has a different path, and they adjust to the level. It's all about how you adjust to the next level. And some people, regardless of standing in life, adjust better than others, and that's how it happens. Well, and how about this, too? How about this, too, Steve? That's a great example because Deion Butler, I don't know if he still is, but he was at one point he was Penn State's all-time leading receiver, right? Yeah. Um, in either receptions or yards, and we all know how great Derek's career was. Those guys didn't last real long in the NFL. Yeah. You know, so they made it. And But it just goes to show you how hard the NFL is. I mean, Derek Williams helped change the program. When yep. as a five-star, he goes to Penn State. You know, as a true freshman, he's dynamic. They end up beating Ohio State, all those things. But, um, you know, those guys didn't, didn't have real long NFL careers because that's how good you have to be to have an, a long NFL career. You know, I always ask you about uh, myfrontpagestory.com. And it's not just for for the standard holidays, which we do talk about, but birthdays, anniversaries, things like that. It really is great to do that because it's a little different, but it tells a story unto itself. Well, what blows me away, Steve, is evidently late August, September, October 
are the biggest months for weddings, which I yeah. can't believe. I mean, that should be illegal to get married during football season. I, I, had, I had several of my buddies that did that. Which yes. I said to them, well, obviously, obviously, you don't care that I, if I'm there or not. They're like, dude, right? She wants to get married in the fall. I'm like, well, what's more important, your fiance or me? Okay, let's get some priorities <laughs> here. Um, but no, what what it means, Steve? What it means is there's a lot of guys with anniversaries coming up. Nobody yeah. knows what to get their significant other for an anniversary or a birthday. I'm just telling everybody listening. Go to myfrontpagestory.com. By far the best gift I've ever seen for your wife or significant other for anything. Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, it's awesome. Well, you're awesome. I'm thrilled for you. Great job with the Eagles coming up. I'm so happy you're going to be on CBS. They made the right choice. I remember, I think I was listening to you on the Army-Navy game last year on radio on Westwood. Uh, and you did such a great job. I actually sat in the driveway for an extra 10 minutes just to listen. So, oh, that's great. awesome. I do that with you, Steve, all the time, just so you know. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it, Ross. Hey, have a good one. We will talk shortly, my friend. All right. Take care. Ross Tucker. Also great to talk with Matt today, who graduated from the Harvard of, from the Stanford of the West. Clarion. They've yep. often been comp- they've often been compared, maybe not favorably. 